This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's the Better Up podcast for the 27th of August. Uh, Another off-day podcast and... It's funny, I don't want to say funny, but we waited all this time for great Atlanta Braves news, and we got some good news on the field yesterday. The sports world, though, across the gamut is a little bit different, though, as we welcome you in here today. Will Pelagic, Joe Patrick, Caleb Johnson. Hello, Joe Patrick. I will. Hello, Caleb Johnson. What's up? So while the Braves did play two games yesterday, uh, most of the rest of the sporting world outside of the NHL on Wednesday uh, took a pause. And now with games reportedly being uh, postponed and or canceled for Thursday, it kind of leaves the entire sports world in limbo. And even two teams in our area in Atlanta did not play yesterday. The WNBA's Atlanta Dream and Atlanta United uh, and the MLS did not play either. Uh, I'll start with you, Joe, just because uh, you were forefront on the Atlanta United scheme and and kind of also keeping tabs on what the Braves were doing. Uh, a very surreal day yesterday. Yeah, it really was. And um, it was hard to tell in real time exactly what was going on, what was going to happen. You know, when the obviously this kind of all started, it's pretty amazing to think about the fact that this all started just like pretty much from the Milwaukee Bucks and which is what, 12 guys in a room <laughs> making a decision mm-hmm. to do something. And uh, everybody got on board in solidarity with them. And I think that they're you know, obviously clearly making a statement around the sports world right now. Uh, but it, when it was happening, you, yeah, it was kind of like you didn't know whether the game was going to be played or not until kind of the last moment when the, when the ball should have been kicked. So I don't know really how to describe it other than that, that there was just like a, a surreal day. I'm proud that the team, that the players felt that they were able to express themselves in this way. I think it's a very healthy way to protest. Um, I think that, uh, you know, there, <laughs> like you, you see people kind of criticize them for it, you know, like, Stop, you, you know, just play play the game, do do your job, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that is also a way to yeah show express how you feel about something in a very nonviolent way, which I think everybody wants to see. So that for that reason, I was I was just very proud of of the team, and um, obviously we all are looking for the same end goal here. But it was just um, it was interesting to see how it just unfolded across the sports world. Caleb, you were on Braves coverage front and center yesterday and uh, kind of dealt with the dichotomy of everything when it comes to uh, what the Braves were doing. Uh, basically, around the time that the NBA games were postponed on Wednesday, Braves were already underway with the first of two against the New York Yankees, and we'll get into the on-the-field stuff in just a moment. But uh, when talking to players afterwards, it, it did seem like they were kind of uh, to – uh, use a term that we've heard a lot lately, kind of in a bubble and, and not really aware of what was going on around them until afterwards, including Freddie Freeman, who, uh, as you detailed 
with us, Caleb, earlier before we went on the air. Uh, it seemed like he was moved by something from a personal friend of his and a former Brave. Yeah, I think that's a, a lot of the times when it comes to us as white people who are who are trying to understand the experiences uh, that our friends are are going through. Uh, it it a lot of the times it takes those personal connections to to kind of piece it together for you. I know for me yesterday, the first place that I went um, when I found out that the Milwaukee Bucks were considering not playing and I I went to friends that I've got from college and we're just kind of like, all right, guys, like make this make sense for me uh, because on the uh, the initial standpoint, I was kind of like, I'm I'm not entirely sure that I get not playing a game is going to make some sort of impact. But then you see it start just from the Bucks, and it was really George Hill of the Milwaukee Bucks, and it spans out to other leagues are canceling games, and instead we're having conversations. Instead of talking about uh, you know goals being scored in a game or points being scored in a game or you know all of the minutia of those little details of the game and 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 once again like we'll we'll play some sound from Freddie Freeman who it took that impact of of having a close friend just knowing that that yeah we we've got to stand up and say something the Jay Hay kid uh, currently plays for the Chicago Cubs here is Freddie Freeman on learning what happened when it came to Jason sitting down and the kind of situation the Braves were in yesterday with regards to uh, playing versus not playing after their one game had already concluded uh, between the two yesterday. You know, I, I saw a picture of Jason Hayward and post on his Instagram. He took himself out of the lineup. I'm not sure if they played, but I heard he he, he took himself out. So, you know, that's one of my best friends. So I, I, I'm with what's going around um, this nation right now. So um, we didn't have any discussions because we only had 40 minutes to prepare. I don't know if it's our job to say how you should or shouldn't feel, but I do feel like the number one most underrated personality trait when it comes to us in the world is compassion. And preach. (laughs) I don't believe that we've seen nearly enough of that from the sporting world at large. And I think this is the first example of that. I think this discussion, when you think about what happened four years with Colin Kaepernick, uh, there were a lot of divergent opinions. I would even go so far as to say that people's opinions back then are not what their opinions are right now. And I know that I've probably thought a lot differently about that situation than I do now. And that has basically led or come from a lot of personal growth. You mentioned conversations, Caleb and and Joe, and I also feel like the one thing that needs to happen, at least from the standpoint of where the three of us sit, is that we need to be able to continue to listen. And we aren't able to 100% fully empathize because we can't put ourselves absolutely 100% positively in people's shoes of that nature. But I do think that that doesn't mean that we can't make a difference. We can't cause social change. We've talked about that on this podcast before. And again, we'll we'll get to the baseball. I know that people want to listen to us talk more about baseball. 
But I do feel like it is important to, at least from our perspective, tell you who listen to this podcast that we certainly understand the reasons why sporting events weren't played yesterday. And we want to be part of the forward movement that leads to events like what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin, not happening again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we all just want to be part of the solution. Again, I think that there's not I don't I don't sense that there's a ton of uh, disagreement in what the end goal here is. Like, I don't think that anybody is, you know, standing against uh, trying to diminish police brutality and especially as with it being as kind of uh, racially divided as it is. So, um yeah, I again like I I feel like I'm not a I'm not a politician. <laughs> I'm just like a a person out here that normally talks sports and so as someone who covers sports, I just love to see players using the social power that they have as they're standing in our American culture to be able to try to 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 leverage that for for positivity, for for a better future for all of us. And it's very interesting to me over the course of uh, just like seeing this evolve. And it seems like it's especially rapidly evolved since Colin Kaepernick uh, has really kind of taken a stand doing the, doing his kneeling um, protest that just, just how much weight these, these athletes carry. And so I think that it's just very important for us to kind of hear their message and um, hopefully what they're doing will lead to positive changes for our society that will leave all of us in a better space going forward. Yeah, I think, Joe, one of the things you kind of touched on that I, I've heard a lot recently is various people in the sports world who are like, hey, look, I'm not a politician. You know, I'm not I'm not a person who works in that in that space. But to care about this, you don't need to be like this. You know, it's one of those. Like, this isn't a political issue. Like we're dealing with with uh, with people, with people who who matter uh and specifically you know these these faces of the sports that we love to watch are coming out and being like hey can you please care about us you know as as human beings uh that we are more than you know just the the ball that we're that we're playing with i know one of the ones that kind of broke me down a little bit yesterday was Dominique Smith of Very the much. Mets. Dom mm-hmm. Smith, oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I think I sent you guys that in the group chat where it was he was just like, can you just care? Like, can you, you know, right. and I think I think that's what the, you know, uh, a lot of the times some of the things that, I, that I've heard of the last 24 hours is, all right, what's the plan? What's the plan? Uh, but I think more than anything, these players, the plan was pay it, like pay attention and you know, I mean, as much as we are very thankful to to play a sport that makes us a lot of money, like we are human beings. Um, and, you know, if you don't understand that from just a, a general basic level, then then there's going to be uh, there's going to be conflict. Uh, so I I loved. Yeah, I loved seeing the players come together and, and kind of stick up for things. I think the only the downside to the Braves were. Is they were just out of the loop, like Fred, like Freddie was saying, is is that you know there was forty minutes between the doubleheader. They didn't have any TVs on. It was just you know come completely. They were they were out of the loop per se because they were you know they were looking to do their job. They were looking to face the Yankees, who are, are a tough opponent. Freddie Freeman spoke about that. I'm gonna play that sound right now. We only had about forty minutes between games. Uh, we had no TVs on. Um, 
we didn't really have a have any idea what was going on between games. We were just getting ready for game two. But uh, when we found out after the game and realized the, the stance players are taking, just not only in baseball but basketball and around the world, you just got to stand with them and support them. I want to say I want to say one thing about this. I, I have heard I've seen some criticism. Not I don't know if it, I've actually seen any directed at. Uh, the Braves or Braves players, but there was a, a soccer player that plays for LAFC, Mark Anthony K, put it out there on Twitter, like bashing uh, Orlando uh, and Nashville for playing that game. I think that's unfair. Like, I just like, mm-hmm. you know, I think that these guys were trying to go about their business and they were not like Freddie Freeman just said, they weren't connected to this movement that was taking place yesterday. Um, and so I don't think that we need to judge their their character based on the fact that that they played the game yesterday i i i that's where i feel that those are the things i fear about this conversation is making character judgments based on people who are in certain circumstances that affected their actions on that given day and i think that Mm -hmm. to make such a quick reaction like mark anthony k did because i'll just say i disagree with what he said there as it related to the orlando players um I, i just hope that some of that can kind of people can have some understanding as to how quickly these things can come up. And it's not necessarily an indictment on their character because they weren't, they didn't know what was going on. As awkwardly, but dutifully as we can, we transition to the baseball at hand. Uh, And like I said before, we were waiting for some good Braves news on one of these podcasts. It seemed like every time we did a podcast, we had some unfortunate on the field news. But we got some good news yesterday, at least on the field. The Braves take two from the Yankees. Uh, They didn't play on Tuesday. They were supposed to play uh, two seven-inning games, including the debut of Ian Anderson. And we'll start there, guys. Uh, The kid looked good. He shoved for six innings, uh, five no-hit innings. The only blemish was a solo home run allowed to Luke Voigt. He looked the part and gave the Braves the best start from anybody not named Max Fried, I would argue, since the injury to Mike Soroka. I think he was the first one to go five innings since like August 3rd or something like that. Mark Bowman had the tweet, had the stat, and I don't have it in front of me right now, but I think it was Kyle Wright had gone five innings in early August, and that was the first time a a pitcher, a brace pitcher not named Max Reed had gone that long in a game. So I think for that reason, it was definitely kind of refreshing to see that, but also just refreshing to see a top prospect and a guy that's been touted by fans, people in the organization, et cetera, um, all have high hopes for the, for this guy and, uh, for him to come through in that situation, you know, I think it says a lot about kind of his mentality, his demeanor. And I think it says a lot about what he can provide for this team, you know, as it pushes for the playoffs and even goes into the playoffs. It was just so refreshing to see someone look confident on that mound for the Braves. I think that's been the, the biggest issue that I've seen of, whether it's, you know, I mean, more recently, whether it's Tuki Toussaint, uh, whether it's Josh Tomlin and his last start, uh, whether it's Robbie Erlin, who, you know, one of those, his first start, the, the stat line looked well, but I was never comfortable with him, you know, starting a game kind of deal. And it was just one of those, there is just something to looking the part, getting up there, and as you know, as Snit said a million times yesterday, throwing strikes. You know, just it's so refreshing <laughs> to just see somebody throwing strikes, but looking confident and looking like the moment wasn't too big for him. It was. I mean, thank goodness. I hope this continues. <laughs> You're right, and and 
You know, the one thing that was asked of me in a couple of instances, whether it was on radio spots or uh, or the like, is that, you know, was seeing the Yankees something that would affect him adversely? And I almost felt like it was the exact opposite. I feel like he, he kind of uh, cherished the moment and thrived in the moment. He's somebody who's from upstate New York. He grew up a Red Sox fan, so you certainly had the, the added motivation there of wanting to beat the New York Yankees. Uh, there were no fans in the stands, and it was something that he talked about as far as uh, just the experience afterwards. Uh, he said that regardless of whether the fans were there or not, didn't phase him. Yeah, no, I definitely think it helped me relax. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to ask anyone what it's like with, with fans in the stands. That was, that was what I was going to do after. But um, I think it definitely helped me relax and uh, kind of realize that, you know, it's still the same game. The thing I didn't also uh, really get a sense of in advance, and I got more of as the game went on, I, I kind of thought that he was going to have to develop another pitch. Uh, I would still like to see some more variance, and again, this is being nitpicky stuff, more variance in speed between the changeup and the fastball, because I feel like once hitters start to sit on it, uh, it can become a predictable pitch, especially if it's not down enough in the zone. I, I wouldn't mind still seeing something that goes off the curveball, whether it's a slurve or even a, a split finger fastball, something that uh, is different than the high riser. But in terms of the the live arm and the pure stuff, uh, it's everything we were promised as far as uh, the Braves go from the guy who was drafted number three overall. Yeah, it wasn't. And, oh, sorry, go ahead, Caleb. No, I was just gonna say you were you were talking about you know, where pitch placement, wasn't it also so refreshing? When he was missing, he was missing down. You know, it right. was like, he's not leaving stuff. Out know, over the plate. Yeah, that that's just being sent into the stands, you know, kind of deal that, that we've seen from so many other guys who, when they when they start having those command issues, and, and he did a couple of times, uh, it seemed like stuff was missing low when it was more Tyler Flowers having to do some work to block the plate rather than just, you know, giving those uh, beautiful launch angles to the Yankees. Yeah, no, it's funny you say that, because that's exactly what I was going to say. But I also just think it was, and we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but it was just so, so refreshing to see him. A, a pitcher out there that is confident in his ability to throw strikes when he needs to. And so when you're confident in your ability to be able to do that, then you can kind of pitch in a different way you know like you're not concerned about making sure you know you're you're grooving a strike on the first pitch and, and you can in your um you can get ambushed that way uh or the vice versa when you get down the count you know you become very predictable he seemed like he was able to throw strikes when he needed to he was able to kind of um ride the line between being fine and being able to throw strikes and making sure that he was just getting outs and not putting free guys on base. So I think that and it's something that's always refreshing when we watch Max Fried pitch as well, who was pitched in game two. Um, it's great to see that from Braves pitchers. It's not asking a ton, you know, <laughs> it's, it would be nice if there were a couple more guys who could do that. But uh, I think it just goes to show it's been so long for us since we've been able to kind of see somebody like that. And uh, I, I just with as, as it relates to Ian going forward, um, I will be interested to see how he is able to go out in his next start and try to build on this. I don't necessarily think we should be expecting him to go out and replicate this performance or have a better performance, but if he can at least just go out there and, you know, just, just go out there and be able to leave the game with a good feeling, like you gave the team a chance to win. I think that that's really what we, what we want to see from, from Ian in the next 
two, three, four games because those having that consistency and establishing that is really what's going to solidify him as a top major league starting pitcher. So we sit 30 games in, 30 games to play. The Braves are 18 and 12. And just hearing that number out loud, it doesn't sound impressive. But when you think about everything that they've had to deal with adversity wise, I think that makes it a lot more impressive. The trade deadline is next week, guys, uh, and they will have either completed a deal or not. Uh, between now and then, uh, we have two pitchers now who are starters, who you, I guess you could say you feel confident about. What needs to happen between now and the beginning part of next week in your mind? Do you think they need to trade for a pitcher? Can they survive with getting Cole Hamels back? We hope, we think, we pray. Or is it something where a guy needs to be jettisoned and they have to get uh, another starter? I know that one guy's already off the board in Taiwan Walker. Lance Lynn's name's been thrown around. Of course, Clevenger with Cleveland and a couple of others. But uh, there's just not a lot out there, unfortunately. I think you have to go get someone. It just, you know, it's one of those, whether whether it is one of, uh, whether you're going to get a number one or two from a team, which seems rather unlikely, as I said a few weeks ago, I think going to get that three or four on a team who's out of it is more likely, and that's still better than what you've got in your three, four, and five. You know, like, it's just, we got to be honest. I think quite, you know, it's one of those, if Cole Hamels doesn't come back, that, I mean, that raises big concern for me. I think the Braves can get to the finish line uh, because, you know, once we reach the playoffs, I I think they'll be fine with just three arms, but they I think they need that third. I don't I don't think you can trust Josh Tomlin being your third, you know, and and then you're you're turning to you know Robbie Erlin and 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 whoever kind of kind of deal. But it's once in in my mind, and maybe this is just rushing to too much judgment. It seems like you've locked up Max Fried. I think by the time we get thirty games in will at least be comfortable with Ian Anderson, you know, whether he, he struggles at times or, or not. He, I think he's going to just being a rookie kind of deal. Uh, but yeah, you've got to secure another arm, whether that's packaging, you know. I mean, I, I know everyone's told me that Ender Inciarte isn't tradable right now. We got to talk about Ender, but go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, oh. you know, but but it's whether whether you're you're packaging him and I mean, honestly, in my mind, I've seen the struggles of, of Austin Riley long enough that to me, he's not a, a secured Braves, you know, third baseman kind of deal. So he's expendable to me. I don't know. Who on your your prospect list is expendable? You, you I just you got to make some kind of deal happen because as I mean we're watching today, you know Jeff Passan is is going down naming the teams who who are making trades who are making deals happen to make their team better. I think the the Braves have got to do it, and you know we got one Ian Anderson out of this, but. You gotta get. You gotta get more. I I agree with you. I think that I think that what the Braves have to look at right now is so. Uh, hold on, let me take it back. A couple of weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago or so, I was saying that the Braves were in a part of the season where they just need to tread water. You know, mm-hmm. the, like Acuna, mm-hmm. Albies were both injured. You were losing starting pitchers. You couldn't. You know, these guys were not performing at the major league level. You were all hands on deck. You had to do whatever you could to try to stay in contention now credit huge credit goes to 
the Braves for doing more than that, for for really elevating their status in the division. Um, eight, I mean, at 18 and 12, gosh, they're like, what, 12 games away from kind of from securing at least a wild card spot like this team should be looking at itself right now as a playoff team. And seven and when you're, three in their last 10, Joe. I mean, it's, that's, it's, that's it's nothing crazy. At. Seven and three in the last 10. And those last 10 games, they haven't had pretty much anything going for them in terms of that. That was when we were expecting them to tread water of just yeah. like, just split. Just yeah, split. go find five. Even Granted, four they six, were five and fine. five going into last night or going into last night's doubleheader. <laughs> yeah, that was, it's, it's, yeah. it's amazing how much a doubleheader sweep can really <laughs> uh, turn the tide. But it anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm being really mealy mouthed and just saying that this team, I think, needs to go into this trade deadline. And when they're looking at acquiring a starting pitcher, you got to look at a guy who's going to be starting for you in the playoffs. That's really what they need. They need to solidify who is going to be in that playoff rotation because this team should be looking now at not so much are we going to make the playoffs, but how can we strengthen our position to make sure we can make a run once we get there. So, Ender Inciarte. <laughs> He's My guy. still on the roster. Christian Pache is not on the roster. I have significant issues with the way the Braves handled this situation. I understand all of the deficiencies involving the 40-man and not having another guy to bring up when Mark Akis went on the COVID list. We talked about it last week, though, guys. If you're going to bring Pache up, use him instead of uh, having him as a late-game defensive replacement, have him make his debut in one game, and then send him back to the Gwinnett alternate site. I find it somewhat curious. And again, credit to Brian Stitker and the Rinciarte basically had Pine sticking out of his behind for the entirety of that doubleheader, so it's not like he uh, was a big factor in that once they got Acuna back, but I still wonder why he's taking up a lot of dead weight on this roster and we can't see the kid. So I want to say one thing, and then I'll let Caleb have his thing, but I just want to get one thing across the table that will give us some more context for this conversation, which is that Ender and Ciarte has enough service time where he cannot just, the Braves cannot option him and he has to go down. Like he would have to agree, He would have to agree to that. And the most so why would he do that? I think it's very unrealistic for him to expect him to do that. So the the only way they can really if they were to wanted to get rid of uh, Ender Inciarte from the active roster, they would need to DFA him. And that would be an expensive move because of the contract that he's on and the fact that if he did get picked up, um, he could also would be eligible for like a, a free agency and a team would sign him on on a minimum deal. And the, and the Braves would end up paying the, slack, a, a, the yes. big chunk of his contract, which I think is like eight and a half million, nine million, something like that for right. him to play for another team. So I personally think that this Pache conversation is more down to Matt Adams, even uh, Echevarria or a Culberson, like one of those guys who would be a much cheaper cut in order to make room for Pache. Um, but again, if you have Ender and CRT already up, he and Christian Pache kind of are of a similar profile of players. So I don't know if the Braves... Um, I don't know if that's something that that tickles their fancy have, having that kind of overlap. Caleb. So I'm going to be honest with you. Like it's just it, this whole situation has driven me nuts because <laughs> well it's be, no it's because we all attached like this hate on Enciarte and Enciarte like all of the all of the the issues that the Braves were having everyone just kind of seemed to turn their focus towards him and it was like look i kept saying it on here he is struggling at the plate like there's no denying that he is not the only one struggling at the plate <laughs> you know it was one of those my bigger concerns were the fact that 
that we were looking to have this competition between Riley and uh, Camargo, and they they've both they've both been equally as bad as Enciarte, and we already it, knew Enciarte's limitations. Well, if if Johan Camargo sees the field after Ozzy Albies gets back, I will have a similar just oh man blow up. I will well, not. I, I will not have it. I, I will not have it. Yeah, I mean he. I I mean I think he will in some kind of giving other guys a day of rest. Yeah, a kind, spell kind roll. Of, a spell yeah, roll. Yeah. Now it, it's funny of what what uh, what Joe's talking about when it comes to the contract stuff. I think is spot on because we've gotten so clouded as towards Enderenciarte and you know he's he's limiting. Pache's growth and all of this kind of stuff when I mean my biggest concern is I'd I'd never think the plastic should have been taking off Pache this year I get the whole 40-man situation I just want to know if there's not something that they could have done um, without taking the plastic off before we get there though we have a fan favorite who is on this roster right now who isn't getting any playing time, who is taking up a roster spot. Not and his wrong. Name is, his name is Charlie Culberson. Not like, wrong. Like, I love the man. The whole, like, you know, him and Dansby looking alike, and we had fun <laughs> with that. And yeah. there were so many heroic moments for, for Culberson last year where he was just clutch, and it was great. And he's batting 143. He's not seeing ma- many plate appearances. I'm sorry. He's got to go. Like, he's the one. Not... Not in Ciarte, not the expensive move, and just because I also believe that in Ciarte has some trade value if you bunch him with someone else. That's totally where I'm at, Caleb. And the thing is, like, I can't even recall like how many times Culberson's actually even played this. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw him on the field. Seriously, he he pinch ran in a situation where then Dansby hit hit a walk off homer. (laughs) So he's had seven at bats. Wow. Seven. Yeah. So, Seven. so so here's my thing is like he's clearly not he's just not providing you utility. Like he, there's there's not an apparent reason for him to be on the roster. What would and, you say you do here? <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. And Christian Pache, on the other hand, like we've all we already saw him throw a freaking pee from the outfield to to nail a guy at home plate. Like you can see how Christian Pache would be a much more uh, utilized player as somebody who can come in, pinch run, play defense late in games, um, that kind of player. And I think here's the other thing with, when it comes to Pache, obviously when you're talking about prospects and should they be on the major league team um, and it, it it benefits them to be in the minors because they get more at bats to get to play every day, all that kind of thing. Totally agree with that. But this year you don't have a minor league. So you're playing in a satellite camp and I'm just not sure exactly because we don't really know exactly how effective that satellite camp is is a player actually gaining better experience playing for the major league team getting to know his teammates getting ingratiated you know at with just the major league game or is he better off training with that satellite camp again i don't really have a clear answer for that but my kind of the way i'm leaning is that it's better for pache long term for him to be kind of learning the ropes while helping the team at the major league level this year. He's appeared in eight games. Three of those games, he did not register in at bat. He hasn't even pitched yet this year. 
and only and only two of those games he had multiple. <laughs> two, only two of the games that he had at bats, he had multiple at bats. So he had well, to start it. And the other thing, like I, I get that this would be a, a bit far fetched as as to equate Nciarte to be an expensive pinch runner. But who you want? Who do you want on your base paths? Charlie Culberson or Ender Nciarte? Like, yeah. you know, it's just one of those. I think Echeverria. I mean, Billy, Billy is Hamilton's ahead of not him. available, so yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, but it's one of those. Like Echeverria is above him when you get to like depth chart wise, yes. and I think once you get Albies back healthy, which I I think is gonna happen. I I've been concerned. He's, yeah, yeah, he's really murky. Well, I've been really concerned with the way that Snitz talked about him, or the way he did yesterday specifically, where he kind of had this. Like, yeah, whenever we get Albies back, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I, I think it's coming. <laughs> like, you know, it's one of those, like, yeah, I mean, it, it's concerning because it seems like it's one of those injuries that there is no quick, easy fix and potentially surgery might be involved. I have no idea. Just it seems the way that conversation has gone that 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 might elude that way. But yeah, just uh, so he's not needed as as a real depth piece. I don't think he would make the roster once we hit the playoffs so what's he doing well this has been enlightening (laughs) this has been very enlightening so don't hate on ender nciarte so much we hope you enjoyed the batter up podcast we'll be back for you uh after the trading deadline we'll see whether or not the braves make a move uh as they turn the page into september and get ready for the final stretch drive of the season we are halfway home Didn't think we'd make it this far, but uh, the sprint is real. And uh, be sure to keep checking back with us, not only on 92.9thegame.com, but the radio.com app with the Batter Up podcast. With Joe Patrick and Caleb Johnson, I'm Will Pelagic saying so long, and thanks for listening to Batter Up, a 92.9thegame and radio.com exclusive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.